Let's go to Mary Holm, our personal finance expert. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Hey there, Mary. Hi, Jesse. Nice to speak with you. Mary's in once every couple of weeks, and um, she does a mix of sort of topics that she feels it's important to share, and then sometimes she'll get letters about topics and, and sort of respond to uh, listener inquiries. And we might start with a letter this week, Mary. Yeah, we got a really interesting one um, from a woman that just got me thinking, so I thought it might get listeners thinking too. So. You, are you going to read it out? Or? Yeah, I always listen to Jesse's chats with Mary Holm. I just downloaded and listened to one of the programs. This correspondent is onto it. She's worked out that we have all of Mary's conversations with me available on podcast, so you can use whatever podcast program you use to access them. Anyway, it aired a couple of years ago on the subject of spending habits, and it was noted that some elderly people and also some single women have a tendency to underspend for example, buying only cheap, no-frills food or continuing to use ancient appliances when they have more than enough money squirreled away in the bank to afford to buy better. Well, it occurred to me, writes this correspondent, that both elderly people and single women are devalued and marginalised in many societies and that they may therefore feel, consciously or unconsciously, that they are on their own if they run into domestic or financial problems. That could be why they become fixated on saving money. Another reason why women could be afraid to spend, perhaps, is that there is still a perception left over from our patriarchal past that women can't really manage their own household and finances, that these things should really be in male hands. Well, I'm a single woman in my late 40s. I don't see being single as a problem, though many people seem to think it is. I'm advised that I'm too fussy too opinionated that I talk too much and the last guy I dated turned out to have no money and told me I could support him financially until he turned 65, at which point his retirement investment, something to do with pine trees and the Kyoto Protocol, would mature, giving him more money than he could ever spend. That was before the global financial crisis of 2008. In 2008, the value of my managed fund lost 25% of its value overnight while his investment his quote investment shrank to nothing mine eventually climbed back to something near its original value before I cashed it in and bought my flat where I now live in blissful spinsterhoods and that's from Karen it's uh, a letter full of personality Mary yeah it's a fun letter isn't it but yeah. it, it's also um, a very interesting example of, of what's often observed about the way men and women handle money differently I just wanted to say at the beginning that um, there are heaps of exceptions to what I'm going to say about, about the research about differences between genders. And, um, uh, you know, we, you and I could be accused of sexism even discussing this, Jesse, and, and, you know, continuing stereotypes and all of that. But I do think that pondering these differences can help people to perhaps change their behaviour for the better, cha- you know, change their investment behaviour and so on. So... Uh, yeah, if we get accused of sexism, so be it. Okay, but you have put that qualification out there that when you talk about the habits of men, you're not talking about all men, uh, and and same goes with women. There's some yeah. sort of observations over the years of yeah. things that tend it's, to it's be associated with each group. That, that's right, and it's, it's not just my observations. It's more there's, there's quite a lot of research on it, and I've 
sort of read it over the years because it's quite fun, really. Mm. Um, getting it, starting out with um, Karen's comments about people spending too little and how it often seems to be older people and single women, and I've certainly noticed that, and I think it's it's a real pity because. Some of some of them end up, you know, not having as nice a life as they could, and and dying with quite a lot of money in the bank, which mm. um, which, which is a pity. What you really want to try and do is have about the same standard of living through, you know, the last half of your working life and into your retirement. You don't want to be depriving yourself of so much now just to have a fabulous time in retirement. I mean, mm. for one thing, you might not make it, but even if you do, you know, you might as well be enjoying things now as well. But um, her, the way she ponders about whether, um, you know, older people and single women are devalued and marginalised and all of that, and there's probably quite a lot of truth to that sort of thing. I mean, I think women perhaps are therefore less uh, less confident of, of often of how well they're going to cope. And so having a whole lot of money sitting in the bank might make them feel stronger about it. But it's, you know, as I say, people can overdo it. And I, while most people, it's good if they save more, it's quite good for, for some people to get out there and, and spend a bit more. Of their Not money. to save for the point of it. That, yes, quite, yeah. I mean, I've had a few letters in my Herald column of, of people who are extraordinary savers. And they're always either single women or couples. I've... I mean, you know, it might be, it'd be inter- interesting to hear from a single man who's an extraordinary saver. Yeah. Um, but so far, I haven't heard from them. As far as the household budgets go, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That, you know, you some couples, the woman does runs all of the the household finances, and in some couples, it's the man. And so I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, if there's any necessary pattern about that. What happens in your household, or is that too nosy a question? No, that's not too nosy, because I was going to observe that, well, in my experience, my limited experience of one marriage, you tend to divvy things up, and sometimes it's not for any particular reason, apart from that one person starts doing it, and so they end up doing it, and the other person... um, Starts doing their own thing, but yeah, that's me in our house, yeah, um, and yeah. and it might be because my wife took a bit of time off work um, with the kids about the same time as we sort of combined our finances. So that seemed to be the natural time for me to be sort of worrying about where the money was coming from and where the money was going. Yeah, yes, and yeah, I mean that probably is one quite common pattern. Um, you know, I, I think back to gosh, I know my brother-in-law's parents. When the the husband died, I think I'm right in saying that the wife didn't really know her way around a checkbook. Yeah. And, and in that generation, that did happen sometimes, and that's quite frightening, really. Um, to, yeah. to, <coughs> sorry, I've got to catch in my throat. The, um, We've all got that at the moment, Mary. It's the time of year, there. yeah. But, but, but these days, I'm sure it's, it's much more mixed. And mm. just a sec... Sorry, that's not very helpful, is it? No, no, we're five for five in our house, so don't worry about it. I'm really worried I'm going to lose my voice next week. Oh, yeah, but yes, you've got to talk non-stop. Can you talk for a minute? I just need to do a big cough. Yeah, no problem, no problem. We'll take you uh, out of there, by the way. And if you have any observations about the uh, the conversation we're having, having, uh, gender differences in money management or your experience in your house, 
that earlier qualification aside, do send us a text on 2101 or email me, jesse, at radionz.co.nz. Mary's here with me for the next uh, sort of 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, and I've, I think I'm, I've recovered now. Sorry about that. Um, one, of the thing, one of the pieces of research I found that was quite interesting was something from Stanford University that said there are almost as many men who are comp- have what they call a compulsive buying disorder which they define as binge buying and then financial hardship, <laughs> so, which is the kind of thing that we tend to associate with women, um, but they say... No, I tend no. to associate it with being young, yeah, you know? But, yeah, that you're, you're probably quite right. It's, um, maybe as you get older, you get a bit, a bit smarter about it, but um, that's an interesting one. And uh, advice from relationship services and people like that about... Um, the, the couples and, and the way they handle, handle money says that it's two, two pieces that stuck with me. One was it's really a good idea for a couple to sit down and talk about the attitudes to money in the households they grew up in um, because that can, you, you don't necessarily behave the way your parents did, but if you don't, it's because you've deliberately said, I'm not going to be like them. But that can be a helpful way to get at people's basic attitudes to money. And another really important point they made was that quite often people think they're fighting over money, couples, but they're actually more fighting over who it is that makes the decisions, mm-hmm. you know, um, about money and and how those decisions are made and whether it's okay for either of them to be out, out shopping and making a fairly major purchase without consulting the other and, and all that sort of stuff. So... It's a good idea to, to at least have conversations about how those decisions are made and, and you know, how much you can decide with joint money without the other person having a say in it and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is interesting. Um, getting on to, to investing, and this is what we talked about a couple of years ago, which, which the correspondent was mentioning, um, there's some stark differences between the way men and women invest. Women tend to be more conservative, take less risk than men, and there's lots of research to, to suggest that. And also women are more likely to um, just get into investments and stay in them, whereas men are more likely to get involved in frequent trading, with, you know, perhaps in the share market they're getting money in and out. And um, they, they, you know, that those... Differences are good and bad. I mean, men can probably take too much risk at times. They get overconfident, some of them, and think they know how to pick which shares are best and, and so on, or which property is best or when to buy and when to sell, timing the market, that kind of thing. And as you and I have discussed many times, that, that sort of behaviour of trading frequently, trying to time markets, you nearly always end up with less than if you just get in there and buy some good investments mm. and stick with them. Um, by the same token, women are quite often stuck in low-risk KiwiSaver funds or, or bank term deposits and could take more risk and they would end up with a lot more savings at the other end because, as we know, high-risk tends to have higher average returns. So. And if you hadn't been much involved in uh, the finances and the, and the choices around money in your life, that's probably what you'd most likely to know well, right? A, a savings account. Yes, yeah. And you probably learned about it at school. Yes, yeah. And, and people trust banks, or certainly 
they might not, especially after what's been going on in Australia, mm-hmm. they might not necessarily trust banks to always act in their own their best interest, but they do trust that if they put money in a bank term deposit, they won't lose it, you know, and, and that they'll get their interest and get their money back at the other end and all of that. And, and so that can tend to be what happens. Some research says that because women are more likely to be the ones looking after dependents or having the major role in looking after dependent, usually children, um, and I've even seen research that says women, because women are more likely to be victims of violence, all of that, having dependents being victims of violence, makes women tend more to be cautious. That might be, you know, a little bit overdone. Some people might think, oh, come on. But um, intuitively there could be something to that, that they just want to keep things safe. and Security, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, women are more likely to take financial advice than men to seek help. They're more patient with their money. They're more likely to set goals. But there's some, some interesting research about setting goals and how... For women, they're more likely to succeed with their goals if they tell friends and family about the goals. So there's perhaps a bit of social pressure then to meet the goals, and also if they get some encouragement if they don't, um, if they if they're giving up, you know, there's somebody there to encourage them. So the sort of people interactions help women to to achieve goals. Men are more likely to succeed if they have a very specific goal and if they focus on the rewards for achieving the goal. So there's some interesting research there on goal setting. It's it's there's all sorts of stuff um, in the literature. ANZ did a survey that said, asked people, are you confident you'll reach your retirement savings goal? And 55% of men said yes, but only 41 of women women 41% of women said yes. Um, and the speculation was it's because women pay, get lower pay and take time off work, more likely to take time off work to look after children and so on. But I think oh, it's probably also because women are taking lower risks with their with their savings and mm-hmm. therefore they're not as likely to grow as fast, you know. It's, it's all, all in the mix there, really. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing, piece of research that was quoted on the... Commission for Financial Capabilities website, that used to be the Retirement Commission, and I thought that was really interesting. They quoted UK research that said, older, wealthier, risk-taking men are the most likely targets for share fraud when worthless or unsellable company shares are on offer. So that's interesting. So they're wealthier men, they're men who take risks, but they're the biggest targets for that sort of fraud. Mm. Whereas women are more likely to be affected by what they call recovery fraud. And that's when um, you've already been scammed and then the scammers come and offer to recover your money um, in exchange for a fee. It's horrific the way that can happen. Um, I think we've talked about that before. You've not only been the victim once, but then you start getting emails from some really nice person who says... Look, look, just, you know, we'll help you get back that money you've lost. We're terribly sorry to hear about it. And just send us $100 and, you know, we'll be putting that towards the costs of recovering the money. And so they get scammed again. <laughs> so, I wonder who is who tends to be more trusting, Mary. Uh, that would the, the, the women that are in that context, wouldn't it? Uh, were you saying the women get, get scammed more than the men do? The women get 
victims of this recovery scam. Yeah. Where people come and say to them, we, you know, yeah. we can help. But in general, before, I think you've told me that, that, that men tend to fall for cons more than women. We, men tend to fall more for the, um, as I was just saying before, the, the worthless, unsellable company shares. <laughs> That's... Um, so they're sort of in for the in for the gamble more probably. Yeah. A lot more um, people with gambling addiction are male. I understand. Okay. But, yeah. That. Um, so they seem to just go in for more risk in general. Mm. But and and certainly an Aussie an Aussie survey found that of, of the telemarketing scams, ninety um, percent of them the victims were men. Ninety percent in telemarketing scams. Yeah. So. Men seem to be the ones that take those phone calls and go ahead and act on them, which is yeah, they get yeah. that they get that feeling that even I've had before, where you think, oh, this is an opportunity that if I don't take it now, I'm going to totally miss out. I'll be the only yeah. one who misses out. Yes, yes, yes. That fear of missing out is perhaps more common in men, and and they're more likely to 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 take the gamble, and usually it doesn't work out for them. Mm. There's one other really interesting piece of research, which is not, it's slightly off, off track on this, but it's, I think it's a really different, interesting gender yeah. difference. Men and women um, looking towards retirement, and they find that 38% of men want to spend more time with their spouse after they've retired. Guess how many percent of women want to spend more time with their spouse? Uh, higher, it must be higher, surely. No, it's nine. <laughs> <laughs> So 38% of men say they want to spend more with wives, and 9% of women say they want to spend more of the time with their spouse after retirement. Which is oh, would you like to unpack that one for us, Mary? Well, I mean, you do hear um, of stories of how the man, you know, goes from being full-time work to full-time retired, which is, you know, not always the best way to do it. If you can do it more gradually, mm. perhaps to a part-time job, that can help. But suddenly they're just kind of hanging around the house. <laughs> at, at the end. We're, I mean, the, uh, we're talking more traditional marriages here where the wife was perhaps at home um, being a homemaker at that point in, in her life. And so she was used to having the place to herself all day. And suddenly there's this bored guy hanging around wanting to be <laughs> entertained. But, yeah. um, you know, these days that's much less likely. You, usually by that stage in a woman's life she has been out working too. So... I don't know. I mean, I have not observed when in couples when the man dies first that, you know, even in a good marriage where the wife is, you know, very upset about the loss of the husband, but nonetheless, a few years later, she's out there, you know, in this club and that organisation and doing this and perhaps doing some volunteer work. It depends on her age and so on. But, but I've seen quite a few people in my generation say that, speaking of their parents, that, you know, after Dad died, Mum got a new lease on life. Mm. And you don't hear that as often said if Mum dies first, that Dad got a new lease on life. So that's something to ponder, perhaps, for men in retirement to think about what they might, you know, think about not just what they want to do with all their new time, but how they might make life nicer for their wife, perhaps. Um <laughs> Maybe get in and be the one that cleans the toilet or something. I, don't okay. I think you're going slightly outside your uh, range of I am. financial this, expertise, Mary. This is, just, this is just called living, Jeff. It all leads into it, doesn't it? it yes, it does. It's all, it's all kind of tied in together. But I suppose just getting back to the main theme, that 
women do tend to take perhaps too not not enough risk with their money, and it would pay them to look into being a bit braver and taking a bit more risk. And men can tend to take a bit too much risk, and to get in there and trade too often when it might be better if they just found some good investments for them and just stuck with them. Someone says on text, retirement for many women may continue to be full-time work. Yes, well, indeed, if, especially if, if we are looking at that traditional model of the woman being the one at home. But even if we're not, I mean, we're the full-time homemaker, even if we're not, you know, certainly I have seen research, and certainly anecdotally when a man and a woman are both working full-time, the woman probably tends to do more of the household tasks than the man. And so when they get into retirement, that quite possibly continues. I mean, these, these are all terrible generalisations. but And we're not uh, scratching the surface of same-sex couples either. When they uh, reach that age, it must be really interesting too. Yeah, of course. And, and it's just that you can't then say the man and the woman. You know, you just say Joe versus Bill or Sally <laughs> versus Anne. Um, yeah, um, you, you can't sort of do these sweeping generalisations which, are, which are, you know, <laughs> probably do as much harm as good. But yeah. they're all interesting to ponder. Mary, thank you very much. Nice to chat with you thank as you always. Okay, thanks Mary Holmes and every couple of weeks talking money with us.